a 54-year-old woman came into the office crying. Everything hurts. It started with my hands and feet, and now everything just hurts all the time. I feel like there's just no help left for me. All I can ever do is think about the pain, so I can't do anything else. I don't work because I can't work from all the pain. I don't see my friends anymore. I had to cancel so much because I just can't get out of bed. So they stopped inviting me, and I can't blame them. Who would want to be around me? I can't even play with my grandkid because it hurts so much. Nothing makes my pain better, and I don't think it ever will. Nothing is ever going to work for me, and the pain is just going to keep getting worse. Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alopi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. Welcome to another episode of the Herd Podcast. So in this episode, we're going to deviate a little bit from our usual pain and anesthesia topics and talk about something a little bit different. So we're going to talk about psychology, or specifically the psychology of pain. We're going to focus on the concept of pain catastrophizing, which is something that we mentioned in our first episode. So pain catastrophizing is where we imagine and focus on the worst possible outcomes of our pain experience. Now, I want to say that this isn't meant to downplay or diminish the pain experience in any way, because each individual's pain experience is going to be different. And in no way does this mean, you know, quote unquote, it's all in your head. But in this episode, we do want to shed light on how the state of your mind can change your existing pain experience. So before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the biopsychosocial model of human behavior. And this is something we're pretty big on talking about. So Dr. P, you want to lead us off? Definitely. So that sounds like a pretty fancy term when you hear it, biopsychosocial model, but when broken down, it's actually pretty straightforward. What it's really getting at is that human behavior and the pain experience is made up of three components, the biological, the psychological, and the social. So the biopsychosocial model was first conceptualized in 1977 by George Engel, And it suggests that our medical condition is not just related to physical or anatomical issues, but also due to psychological and societal factors. Psychological factors could include thoughts like fear and hopelessness, coupled with behaviors like avoiding dealing with the issues and poor coping mechanisms, and social factors, including everything from your upbringing to your current family circumstances, your social life, work issues, financial issues, and even cultural factors. Exactly. So when we think of pain, we often want to focus on that particular body part that hurts, you know, just that anatomical, that physical component. But pain is so much more than that. It's an entire pain experience, really. So we have to talk about the whole person. Now, there are many different psychological aspects to pain, but one of the major coping mechanisms that we want to focus on is called pain catastrophizing. So there are many different definitions of pain catastrophizing. 
you know, it was first thought of as just a negative mental state that was brought on or caused by the pain experience. But it's really more than that. It's not just a negative mental state, but it's the concept of pain catastrophizing that actually involves three key components, rumination, magnification, and helplessness. Essentially, how you think influences how you feel. So let's break those three things down. Let's first start with rumination. So this is when we just keep thinking about something over and over again, and it takes up all of our energy. So let's change it to just an everyday concept. You're standing in a long line at the grocery store and someone cuts in front of you. You don't say anything, but then you spend all of your energy thinking about it. I can't believe he cut in front of me. That's just so rude. I should have said something. Why didn't I say something? I have to be better about confronting people, but he did just cut in front of me. So on and on, you keep thinking about it and you keep building upon it more and more in your head and get angrier and angrier. This is a very similar reaction to chronic pain with pain catastrophizing. You just keep thinking about your pain, how much your pain hurts you, and soon it becomes the focus of all of your energy. And the second component is magnification. So this is where you take something and make it bigger than it actually is. So, you know, I remember doing this as a kid on something as insignificant as like getting a B plus on one of my physics exams one time. Seriously, can't make this up. So I blew it up in my head as something enormous. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I got a B plus. What if I can't get an A in this class? What if this brings down my whole GPA? I won't be able to get into a good college. I won't be able to get a good career. My parents will be so disappointed in me. Now, obviously, you know, this is not the same as the pain experience. And in no way is this again meant to diminish the pain experience. But you can see how magnifying something in your mind, even something significant, can cause you to spiral. And with pain, it's making the pain experience so big that you begin to develop fear that something even more serious may happen to you and the pain will only keep getting worse. And that ultimately leads to the last component, helplessness. Yes. So this is where you feel like nothing can be done to help. So like our patient in the beginning of this episode you don't have the coping mechanisms in place to help you. And so you lose hope in ever feeling better. Your mind can be governed with thoughts like, it's never going to get better. There's nothing I can do to help my pain. It's just going to keep getting worse and there's no end in sight. So why does this happen? Let's discuss some theories behind why some people catastrophize their pain and others don't. Does something actually happen in the brain? Are genes involved? Are societal factors involved? And the short answer is yes to all of those, but I want to get into the long answer. So I want to start by talking about the brain. Researchers have looked at functional MRIs to see what parts of the brain light up during pain. And because pain catastrophizing is associated with increased negative emotions, so investigators looked particularly at those regions in the brain. So ones involved in processing and regulating emotion associated with pain the technical terms, the anterior cingular cortex and the prefrontal cortex. So during pain catastrophizing, those areas lit up and the areas that normally would inhibit or control those negative emotions where you don't think that way didn't fire like they should. So there was increased activity also in the fear and anxiety regions suggesting a fear of pain. So all of that together, you're essentially you're kind of lighting up and having excess negative emotions, but also unable to control the positive where you have more positive emotions. So what about how the brain affects the rest of the body? So Dr. P, you want to get into it? Yes. So 
there are actually a couple of different body-brain pathways over here. For one, studies have shown an increase in neurotransmitters, which are basically the small molecules that communicate in the brain, such as something called interleukin-6, that is released and that are involved in the inflammation in the body, leading to overall worsened pain catastrophizing. There's also some data showing that pain catastrophizing is associated with the brain and body's hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. Essentially, a big sort of complex interaction between multiple different glands in the brain and the body. So what does this mean? Essentially, there is increased release of stress hormones like cortisol leading to more pain. And this was particularly seen in the arthritis data. Yeah, and further looking at some of the physiological data, like our genetics, some initial data has suggested that our genetics may be involved in having higher pain sensitivity and in developing pain catastrophizing behavior. So they've really shown this in TMD, or temporomandibular disorder, which is jaw pain that we will be talking about in another episode this season. Now that we've talked about the brain, body, and genetics, Let's pivot a little to talk about our environment. So how does our environment, you know, our support system, our day-to-day affect pain catastrophizing? Now, I find this data particularly interesting and helpful because for our listeners, even if you're not the ones in pain yourself, understanding this can help you better navigate your friend or family member who is in pain. You put that so well. I completely agree. So now, before we get into the societal aspect, let's touch on the psychological, because it does play a major role, and often the psychology and the social aspect do go together. We know that anxiety and depression lead to worsened pain, and in turn, pain leads to anxiety and depression, and that in turn turns into a vicious cycle. But there are ways where the patient support system can either help that situation or potentially even make it worse. There have been several studies that have shown that those who catastrophize their pain may do so, subconsciously even, to get support from others. And they will end up getting support from their loved ones, but only initially. Studies have shown that for the short-term pain, catastrophizing that pain will lead to friends and family giving you a lot of support and sympathy initially. But for chronic pain or long-term pain, the response from friends and family turns to more negative and even punishing responses. And that's not what anyone wants because it only worsens that anxiety, depression, pain, catastrophizing cycle. The person who is catastrophizing their pain is not doing it intentionally. As we can see, there are so many factors involved in this happening. So let's talk about some ways to help break that cycle. Absolutely. So the social aspect to pain catastrophizing is really interesting because it's something that we see all the time. Like Dr. P, how many times have we seen patients where the patient is trying to explain their pain, but the spouse is the one who's doing all the talking? And this happens all the time. The spouse is just trying to be helpful, like they're just trying to have your back. But what it ultimately leads to is the patient engaging more in pain catastrophizing behavior because they feel less heard and less in control. So as a spouse, what you can do is just let the patient lead the way. Like, you know, let your family member talk. Let them explain. Don't try to talk over them or feed into their negative emotions or even try to change their narrative. Just let them get out their thoughts and feelings regarding their pain so we can slowly start to change that pain catastrophizing behavior into more positive thoughts. That's absolutely correct. 
So something else that I've seen is that patients' social support group basically discourages them from doing what they want. So let me give you an example. A patient will tell me, oh, I wanted to go out to dinner with my friends, but they told me I shouldn't because it's just going to hurt and make me feel worse. So what's the point? They're right. I'm just going to get worse if I go. So I decided to stay home. That fear of pain, which is sometimes fueled by friends and family who do mean well, ends up actually preventing the patient from living their life, really, which only worsens their anxiety and depression, and that in turn worsens the pain. So as a friend or family member, you can encourage the patient to do more, to try their best in coming out, do things that bring them joy and help break that fear of pain. And we don't mean to necessarily push someone to do something they're not comfortable with, but more so using positive phrases like, I'm so glad you were able to come to dinner. Just positive responses to facilitate and encourage those cycle-breaking behaviors we want to see. And of course, it's not always this simple, and there can be a lot of back and forth and a lot of missteps, so it can just be really useful to have the help of a therapist to navigate this as well, which we'll also talk about. Exactly. And you know, before we get into talking about that and any of the other treatments to help with pain catastrophizing... Let's talk a little bit about who we see this more in, like who we see pain catastrophizing more in. What types of conditions do we also see this occur more in? So looking at various studies, cis males and cis females are actually more likely to pain catastrophize. Catastrophizing is also seen more in Asian and African races, and younger patients tend to catastrophize more because they tend to focus more on the emotional aspect of pain while older patients tend to focus more on, you know, the actual anatomical pain condition, whether it's arthritis or something else. And patients who use opioids also tend to catastrophize more. And the theory behind this is that the more opioids you consume, the higher you are at risk for opioid-induced hyperalgesia. This is a, you know, a fancy term, but opioid-induced hyperalgesia basically means it's where something that normally should only be mildly painful feels incredibly painful. So for example, let's say you bump your elbow, you know, hit your quote-unquote funny bone, that should be just a little painful and the pain should just go away pretty quickly. But with hyperalgesia, that pain would feel excruciating. It may extend all the way up the arm, maybe the whole body, and can last for a long time. So that extreme pain can lead to more pain catastrophizing, where you feel like you can't stop thinking about it and you make it into something really awful and serious and feel helpless in making that pain go away. And you touched upon something so important. It's actually one of the reasons, opioid hyperalgesia actually, is one of the many reasons that we don't like to go down the pain pathway of opioids. So let's talk about which conditions we see pain catastrophizing more in. Now, an obvious one is patients who also have some form of anxiety or depression. Anxiety and depression can lead to pain catastrophizing, and that in turn can lead to a disability. In fact, a recent investigation looked at patients with pain and depression who were on disability. When pain and depression were addressed simultaneously, at the 12-month mark, they were able to reverse that disability to make patients more mobile. And this change was directly related to reversal in their beliefs of their pain and their pain catastrophizing thoughts. This is why it's so important to address your mental health. And what are some other pain conditions we see this in, Dr. K? So there's actually several pain conditions that have been studied and have shown links with pain catastrophizing. And now this isn't to say this is, you know, 
the, the only list. There's, I'm sure, plenty more, but this is what we have studies on so far. So one, we do see this in the fibromyalgia population. So patients with fibromyalgia and pain catastrophizing were less able to distract themselves from the pain. We also see pain catastrophizing in patients with TMD, temporomandibular disorder, or the jaw pain that we talked about. Another condition we see this in is low back pain. And we've also seen that when patients display pain catastrophizing behaviors before a surgery, they're likely to have those same behaviors after surgery, and it can be really hard to manage their pain post-surgery. So what can we do to help manage pain catastrophizing behaviors? These are important to discuss because a recent study showed that higher pain catastrophizing is associated with more pain and more disability and eventually more sick-term leave. There are a few different treatments that can really be helpful. So for one, we have cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, and this is a pretty key form of treatment and the focus of cognitive behavioral therapy is various. It depends on many different techniques to replace negative thoughts and behaviors with positive ones. It also focuses on understanding fear. When people avoid activities because of fear of pain or worsening pain, CBT accomplishes this with multiple other techniques, such as guided imagery, distraction, biofeedback, relaxation, coping strategies, and more. So CBT has been really effective and has been looked at in many studies, particularly for lower back pain. In a recent study for lower back pain, researchers looked at treating patients with just physical therapy versus a combination of physical therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, and they showed much more improvement in the lower back pain group in the group that did have this cognitive behavioral therapy to help manage the pain catastrophizing behavior. They found similar results in another study that compared physical therapy alone, just cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as a combination of both. And essentially, reduction in pain catastrophizing led to reductions in how bad that pain actually felt and how disabled patients were at at the six-month mark. So as you can see, it can make a huge difference when cognitive behavioral therapy is added to the treatment plan. Exactly. And they've even looked at CBT with TMD, temporomandibular disorder, and showed significantly greater improvements in pain catastrophizing and just overall pain intensity and function in patients who received CBT versus sort of the standard self-care methods. So let's talk about some other treatments, Dr. P. So another treatment is graded exposure. So this is when a therapist will gradually expose you to what causes you fear. In this case, engaging in an activity because of fear of pain. Lastly, we also have mindfulness. Mindfulness is something you can do with a therapist as well, or really, you can also do it on your own. It's really about being present and just thinking and feeling in the moment without any judgment. Mindfulness has actually been shown to reduce headaches, reduce pain catastrophizing, and even reduce depression. It's actually something that I do pretty frequently, and I feel like it really does help me. It just makes me feel calmer and more centered. Sometimes I'll sit for 10 minutes and just breathe, feel my breath go in and out, and try to feel everything around me, and all my stressors just pause for that moment and melt away. It definitely does take practice because it can be so hard to silence your thoughts and your worries, but with time, it can happen, and I believe it's worth it. I'm glad you mentioned mindfulness because I know that's something that you do do all the time and does really help you. 
So I hope that it helps others too. Now let's bring it back to the beginning. So we know that every patient follows that biopsychosocial model of pain. And what the breakdown is varies by each patient. So what I mean by that is that every patient has a biological component, a psychological component, and a social component. But which component dominates and how much of the pie, if you want to call it that, is taken up by each component varies by the individual patient. So it's really important to figure out what the breakdown is for each individual patient to be able to tailor a treatment plan for each patient. You know, so do we focus more on the physical pain with injections and physical therapy? Do we focus on the psychological and pain catastrophizing behavior with cognitive behavioral therapy? Do we focus on your support system, your work environment, your friends, your family? And, you know, it's likely that for many of you, it's some combination of all three. But everyone's different, and there's just no cookie-cutter formula that can be used across the board. Pain really is a really individual experience, and that has to be respected and treated accordingly. And that's why we created this episode to be able to really address that. I love the way you said that. It's absolutely true. It's so complex, and everyone needs to find their own formula that may work for them. Hopefully, this episode gave you some insight into the psychological aspects of pain. Thank you so much for listening and join us next time for another episode. We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at the female pain docs for more content. Send us an email at thefemalepaindocs at gmail if you have any topics in particular you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.